Hello. In an effort to avoid doing everything normally. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that controls everything. Eh, when they feel like controlling everything. How are you doing, AI? You want to introduce yourself? I'm doing great. Good evening, hometown citizens. Is the music too loud? Yes. Is it really? There. That's about as quiet as I can get it without people not being able to hear it. Today is Season 2, Episode 168 for June 17th, 2023. Today's episode is Glow Zoned and more news. Yeah, that'll make sense when we get to it. We've already selected all 12 of the articles. You can see them kind of laid out here. Some of them, only about six at a time. Um, but we're going to go through all of this and um, introduce you to some news. Um, we are expanding certain functionality, so stay tuned. If you're interested in seeing, monitoring what goes on, then hang out here, follow us here uh, on uh, here at hometown, here on twitch.tv slash hometown. Don't forget, though, go over to hometown.com, become a citizen. You'll get to do all of the neat stuff that hometown allows you to do, which is really aggregating news based on what you are interested in. Um, that's all still in development and whatnot, but go over there and become a citizen. Okay. With that in mind, let's get into the old first article. Sound good? Oh, and this, this is a get into your way back machine. I won't even mess with the preamble where we could talk about stuff, but let's get into this, the, the articles. Okay. So talk about getting into the Wayback Machine. Kim.com, formerly Kim Schmidt, um, didn't even realize this person was still doing something. But 30 years of litigation, basically, this person has been in legal turmoil for roughly 30 years. It's pretty spectacular. And I have been following off and on Kim Schmidt way back from Kimball.org days, Megacar, where it used to sound like a world premiere, the cars like ad. It was basically the first broadband capable car. And the ad for it was like Megacar. And there was a big flashy ad and the guy's really rich and whatever known for hacking and then selling a company and then all kinds of legal stuff right moves to new zealand they basically use tanks to go and uh, get him um literally they use tanks and helicopters i guess to go and get him in new zealand they being i think it's us all over copyright stuff as well as other things but anyway when I saw this scroll across hometown, I said, I've got to talk about this. So mega upload was a place where anybody could upload a bunch of files. Um, he always did stuff with mega, mega, this mega, that, you know, he's like the, like a, 
a low level Elon Musk with X, X, this X, that X, whatever. Um, and just like rich to the point where he could do whatever he wants and was largely untouchable still is again, 30 years. This guy has been in legal turmoil. Um, so this author, I'm going to go over to the, uh, wait, before I do that, let me, let me at least get off on a good first step and put the article into the chat. So let me scroll up. Um, so this is over at the verge and Wes Davis is the author. Kim.com is not giving an inch after sentencing of two mega upload execs. The deck statement is he's still fighting extradition says the two struck a deal to serve as witnesses against him in exchange for leniency, which really doesn't mean Jack when it comes to anything. Yeah. If, if they want to avoid being in prison for an extended period of time, sure. They can turn state's evidence that doesn't really diminish their statements. Right? So this person here says that the author Wes Davis over at the verge says, I didn't expect to write about mega upload in 2023, but here we are. Former mega upload officers, Matthias Ortman and Bram Vanderkolk have been sentenced to more than two years in prison over their roles in the company. The AP reported on Thursday, the two men uh, have been granted delayed sentences owing to the impending birth of Ortman's child and Vanderkolk's ill mother. Well, .com tweeted about their convictions on Thursday, saying the light sentences uh, two men got off easy because they were pinning the blame on him, adding that they will make terrible witnesses for the U.S. government. Wait, hate to break it to you, bub, but they aren't the ones that are responsible, right? It's him. So I don't basically, know who this person is or what any of this is about. Yeah, so... Those who <laughs> have been around on the internet for 30 plus years know exactly who Kim.com is. Kim.com, as they are known now, was formerly known as Kim Schmidt. They ran a website called Kimble.org and Megacar, Megacar.com. And they created a service called Mega Upload. That Mega Upload um, and other sites basically mega um, was responsible for a lot of copyright violation and they were first and foremost at the helm of that. So the U S department of justice published 191 pages of evidence against.com and mega upload with its investigation back in 2013. And they're still running around. Right? This is they really odd. Um, so it's been about a year since the men entered a plea deal to avoid extradition to the U S from New Zealand and eight years since they were asked, um, if it was the time, to, uh, uh, to just settle the mega upload case uh, around that time, it was ruled by a New Zealand court that com can be extradited to the U S and he's been fighting that ruling ever since. <sighs> so. This is, a, and when you go and look into .com, Kim.com, he's been in legal turmoil 
all the way back to 1993. Yeah. Um, really strange. Is the company still around? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't even bothered looking into Mega or Mega Upload. Um, it might actually be around. But they used to do um, like cro uh, cross-country um, gumball rally car racing, high-speed racing. And uh, there were always incidents of car wrecks and stuff like that. At one point, there was a, a death or two, I think, in an accident. And he eventually bowed out of doing that, but not until he was older. Um, and he was known for extravagant spending and whatnot. But he's still in legal turmoil of one thing or another. Um, and I, I find it really fascinating that if it were me that had spun up Mega Upload, I would be screwed. I would be so in jail right now. Um, it would be it would be ridiculous. So I'm not quite sure how this person manages to have as much money as they do um, and uh, escape prosecution. Well, I, I think I know. I mean, they shut down Mega Upload, it looks like, in 2012 when the Department of Justice seized uh, the domains and closed down the right. sites, etc. And then in 2013 they relaunched as mega right. which is now at mega.io but it wasn't originally right so i mean presumably the same people are running it i don't know it's got to be different people because the ones that were running it at the time including kim.com are either being prosecuted or running around uh, evading it legally in some way um so i just don't i don't get it um there's uh, the charges run the gamut of criminal charges, including racketeering, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit various crimes. Um, one of which is just massive copyright violation. My understanding is that um, if that's not the case, then context has changed. But <laughs> um, I've been paying attention to this off and on when it pops up, and I haven't heard of anything involving. Um, kim.com in years now probably pre-pandemic have i even heard anything pop up regarding kim.com but those of you who have been around for a while know that name pretty well and gumball rally and all of the shenanigans that took place at the time it was fun seemingly good fun but then people started getting hurt and the level of crimes seemed to have been stacked one on top of each other so it's a mile high right now guess we'll see in the end what happens i mean he's getting up there he's in his probably 50 years old now 52 something like that um so we'll see what happens oh, let's go on to the next article um, the uh, next article is in the Mobile Channel. More than 50 letters sent to Kansas state officials contained suspicious white powder. We had heard about this after the show um, yesterday, and I really wanted to find out more about it. But I, I hold off um, looking at the contents of some of the articles that we uh, get sent through hometown. And so I don't know if they have confirmed what it is, um, but... 
More than 50 letters containing a suspicious white powder were sent to Kansas state lawmakers on Friday, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation said. Um, the agency said in a post on its Facebook page that no injuries have been reported, but everyone should remain vigilant in handling their mail. The letters went to uh, legislators and other public officials. So let's go over to the Hill. Maybe they've done an update since um, yesterday. Uh, Jared Gans uh, put the article together at the Hill. I'm going to refresh it, although I just pulled it up today. So, um, And again, the article has nothing. This video has nothing to do with the article itself. Um, so did it say 70? Yeah, 70 letters containing. I thought it was less than that. Yeah, I thought it was too. Oh, I think it got updated because apparently there were 30 identified at first. And then and then, of course, more than 50. <laughs> our our aggregated title from last night was 50. And now apparently it's 70. <laughs> I guess they're finding more. The agency said in a post on uh, Facebook that no injuries have been uh, reported. That's still they don't say when it was updated, but they that says 915. So. Obviously, something got updated. I wish they had <laughs> version um, record keeping. But anyway, um, Tom Day, the director of the Legislative Administrative Services, told legislators that the letters had a return address of either Topeka or Kansas City, according to emails obtained by the Topeka Capital Journal. He said the letters were given to the KBI and FBI. The investigation remains ongoing, but it doesn't appear to have anything. At least they're not disclosing what it might be. I mean, do you think this is a repeat of the anthrax? Or do you think this is somebody who's using something just to cause panic? Yeah, it like, could be uh, harmless. sugar or something harmless, yeah. Yeah, it could be harmless, and we just don't know yet. Um, but the level of reach means that and now confirmation that those were actually met their destination is showing somebody that the press is reporting that whatever it was that they sent made it to its destination which i don't know i mean somebody's gonna find out and report it no matter what but i don't yeah, think that's true the scale of it should be reported until there is some type of uh, due diligence uh, by the by law enforcement agencies to seek out who it is that did this and maybe not even um, report it um, like just say that it was stopped at the post office or whatever um, I would rather right. prevent this from being known that it made it to its destinations Exactly. I looked up to see, um, and the Kansas state legislature has a total of 165 people in their house and Senate. I was just curious since it said more than 70, I'm thinking that's might be almost everybody. And it was, uh, hmm. it was about half, I guess. Yeah. I wonder who all got it. Well, and did other people get it, but they were out of their office because it was at the end of the week. Like there might be more of these so just haven't been really identified yet and i think so in some kg reporting let me throw this into chat real quick so that 
everybody gets this as well. Um, but in a, a little bit of KG reporting here, a spokesperson for the state attorney general, Iris, uh, uh, sorry, Chris Kobach, they are marked as Republican, uh, told the outlet that his office received a letter while the spokesperson for State House Speaker Dan Hawkins said that his office did not receive a letter, but multiple members of his caucus did. And then the Kansas governor, uh, Laura Kelly, who's a Democrat, told the journal that the governor's office has not received any letter. So that's a little bit of KG implication that whoever's reading will infer from that statement that it went to Republican, but not. Right. The reality is it might very much have gone to both because like the governor isn't a lawmaker. Right. Um, but no, I agree. There is definitely an implication there. Well, let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next article is over in the continuity report. Uh, the weekend, Dolly Parton. Common, Weird Al, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, but you know, those who are in the new just call him Weird Al. Um, and uh, you're on a first name basis with him. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Weird. You know, when when we have coffee. Exactly. Because the other one would be his middle name. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, among entries in Emmy's uh music categories so three months from now the weekend might just have an emmy to place alongside his four grammys and his oscar uh, nomination that's because he joins a dozen other music superstars including dolly parton common ryan tedder weird al yankovic michelle i can't pronounce that name nageo cello um man I would love to respect that name more, but uh, I, I, I can't pronounce it properly. Anyway, who have entered a work in this year's Emmy competition? This is pretty neat. Um, you know, Dolly Parton. I didn't has... even know that there were music categories for the Emmys. Did you? I mean, I guess there would be because there are for everything else. I, I think it's new. I think it's it might be new, but I it doesn't ring a bell. But I actually don't really watch the Emmys. Um, John Burlingham is the uh, author of this article over at Variety.com. Voting began yesterday in the seven music categories. Uh, approximately 550 members of the Academy's music branch, composers, writers, songwriters, and must be around for a long time. But I haven't watched the Emmys in I don't know how long. I might pay attention to the results, but kind of cherry pick what I'm interested in. Just like, oh, wow. Um, like Weird Al is back. Um, but they've got a whole bunch and I'll be paying more attention now that the show is, is on, um, now that we talk about this kind of stuff, uh, every day, I'll be including, um, some more of this kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm like passively interested in it. Um, but happy to talk about it. Uh, most of the big name performers have entered the song category, officially outstanding original music and lyrics. Parton, who won an Emmy two years ago as a producer of her TV movie, Christmas on the Square, submitted songs from NBC's Dolly Parton's Magic Mountain or Mountain Magic Christmas. Magic Mountain Christmas is a different thing. Uh, and HBO's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. 
also entering songs are Kid Cudi from Netflix's Intergalactic, David Byrne from Netflix's John Mulaney, Baby J, Ryan Tedder from Peacock's Pitch Perfect Bumper in Berlin, and Donald Glover from Prime Video's Swarm. Interesting. And Weird Al from Weird Al Yankovic Story. So there's a bunch. It says, in all, 80 songs are entered, including three each. I guess I'm showing my age here because this must have been around for all the while. Um, I'll have to do some due diligence and bone up on this. Um, but there is a whole lot more uh, over at this article. And... Um, the next time that we meet and talk about this stuff, um, I will definitely be happy to discuss it from a better position of awareness because they have things like uh, Star Trek Picard in here with the Mandalorian house of the dragon. Interesting. We might have to be watching it. Lord of the Rings is in here among the fantasy and sci-fi entries. So there's quite a bit. Um, so at any rate, pretty cool. It says that there are 138 entries in the music supervision category. This will be the seventh year that an Emmy has been awarded to music supervisors. Three of them have gone to the marvelous Ms. Maisel and supervisor, uh, Robin Erdang could win a fourth. She was entered. Um, she has entered the series finale. So it's been around for at least seven years. <laughs> so it's been around apparently since at least 1988. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from something I found elsewhere. So what's funny is that I know all of these, but I, again, it's the Emmys that I don't really, it's an award show for people in the industry really. And, and people who might be, um, I don't know impressed by this kind of stuff but um fun to hear after the fact but if anybody deserves it dolly Parton does simply because she helped fund uh, covid vaccines okay let's uh let's step away from this and move on to the next article well and along those lines she's also done a lot of donations for um kids reading programs yeah um, this next article is over in hometown daily United airlines employees accused of years long scheme, selling weed stolen out of customers, checked baggage. So, um, what did I, I'm referring to this in the show notes as, uh, going too far to get high. Um, I mean, airline employees accused of year-long, years-long scheme to sell weed. Two airlines employees have been charged for their alleged roles in drug selling schemes. They were accused of making at least $10,000 a week, stealing weed from checked bags and selling it. Officials said the operation dates back to as far as 2020. <laughs> can you imagine you get your check bag and then you sit there and you go hey uh officer somebody stole weed out of my bag 
Well, especially since it's not allowed federally, I'm sure there weren't a lot of reports about that. I guess the, I mean, if it's in an airline, that's the only place that it's illegal, depending on the point to point of the travel. So the moment that it gets on a plane, it becomes quasi federal and violation of the law, which can be troublesome. That's why nobody would report it theoretically. Right. But I guess my question is why was there so much of this in baggage that these people could make so much? The justice department charged two United airlines baggage handlers, alleging they participated in a years long scheme. So let's go over to businessinsider.com, which is really an interesting source for this is business. Jordan Hart over at businessinsider.com. <laughs> hey, it is a form of business. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's uh, what botany, um, farming, um, maybe hydroponics, agriculture, agriculture. Yeah, all kinds of. Yeah, it's. And it's a customer uh, service. It's a cottage industry. Yeah. It is a, actually it is a cottage industry because in some places you can sell it, but you can't sell it federally and you can't use the bank. And all you have to do is throw it in a bag and label it. I'm not even sure if that's legit, but most of those statements, the official said the operation dates back to as far as 2020, which years long makes it sound like it's been around for 20 years but like as long uh, as uh, the kim.com uh, saga <laughs> yeah exactly but no it's it's not that big of a deal um but ten thousand dollars a week that's pretty impressive for a side gig but come on man you're in an airline it kind of makes it kind of makes me wonder where they were located like, was yeah. that a major drug hub or? Well, let's find out. Uh, Ramp cargo agents Joel Lamont Dunn and Adrian Webb were charged with conspiracy to distribute a controlled substance for their part in a scheme that prosecutors said dates back to at least 2020 at San Francisco International Airport. Well, there you go. They made at least or as much as sorry as much as $10,000 a week selling marijuana that they stole from departing passengers checked baggage and with the help of at least three other co-workers. So those two are <laughs> the only two that got named so far. Maybe further in the article, it'll say who it was. Prosecutors named Dunn as the leader of the operation. Webb was labeled as the right-hand man who gave directions when Dunn was not around. There you go. So let's see. Federal agents began investigating the pair after they were robbed at gunpoint in the airport's parking lot in June 2021. Video surveillance footage from the day of the crime showed the pair moving black trash bags consistent with the marijuana theft scheme out of the airport with the help of other employees, according to the complaint. Wait, what? They were, car they were found to be carrying 30 pounds of marijuana per the complaint? Okay, but the reason they got caught is because they got robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. So they were investigating that and they're like, hmm, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
In October 2022, officials said they intercepted two individuals performing a similar act with a, a large plastic bag and boxes at SFO, and the pair were uh, often seen with Dunn and Webb were found to be carrying 30 pounds of marijuana per the criminal complaint. My goodness. So in 2017, an SFO employees told uh, SF Weekly that they didn't confiscate a personal use amount of marijuana from passengers, but apparently 30 pounds they will take out of a bag. How does it even get there? Well, that, uh, none of that makes any sense to me. I mean, maybe that doesn't show up when they scan the bags. Yeah, I, well, it has to. It would show something in the bags. Yep. So a confidential source close to the alleged scheme told law enforcement that they were paid $2,000 each shift to help steal the cannabis from travelers' bags and load it into 15 to 20-gallon black trash bags about twice each week. What? <laughs> There's that much? That's that's what doesn't make sense to me. Like, and wow. how many bags would they have to go through to find one that had it? I don't know. I don't know. Man, but somebody's a bloodhound that needs to be on the front lines of stopping the drug trade. If they're able to snuffle all of that out of all of these bags, for crying out loud, it's not like it's a low-volume location. Wow. All right. Um, let's go on to the next article. Uh, in a flash, the flash paces itself with $24.5 million opening day and Pixar's Elemental doesn't catch fire. They worked really hard to make this happen. Anyway, nine years after it was first announced, The Flash has finally dashed into theaters, speeding toward a debut ahead of the box office competition. But the DC Studios film isn't exactly matching the lightning pace of its superhero. Oh, God. They're working so hard just to jam all of that in this. The Warner Brothers release got started with 24.5 million from 4,234 locations on opening day. I love Why stats. didn't they say ignited or something? I don't know. Well, he's a speed, he's a speedster. So, yeah, I guess. Um, but everybody that talks about that dude says that he's talented, but a loon. Um, J. Kim Murphy, I don't know. I mean, the stories that you hear about him don't make you go, hey, you know what? I want to go watch his film. Um, but I guess some people can, well, $25 million worth of people can suspend their disbelief of his behavior. So it's a small crowd, right? With the ticket prices? Sure. Yeah. Like maybe 500 people, maybe. 4,234 locations. I don't know if that's a heavy lift or not for $24.5 million. I'll have to do some number crunching, which includes All a nine I know point... is, Oh, I was going to say, like, just based on other films, that tells me something, but otherwise I have no context for it. Right? Because yeah. you see other ones recently where they've been really a huge hit and they've come in with more, but I think that's a pretty sizable opening day. Yeah, I'd have to look. I, I have no context anymore. Uh, again, it's kind of like the Emmys. I know about these numbers, um, but I, my problem with a lot of numbers like this is context changes. And so for me, 
the star is what's impacting this. So they could have 50 million if this person would have kept everything in line, but they kind of went off the rails, you know, uh, with their behavior. Uh, the AI probably doesn't know much about this person, um, but there have been a lot of issues with Ezra Miller. And so a lot of people were like, this guy needs to get booted from the flash and, and the flash rebooted. Um, but apparently he's kind of the wunderkind. He's, he is talented beyond belief to the point where people will forgive his shenanigans. Um, and it's pretty extensive. Um, let me see if the article even talks about it. What's more urgently concerning for The Flash is audience sentiment. The film landed a B grade through research firm CinemaScore. That in indicates some mixed feelings among first round of ticket buyers whose prior prior prioritization. Wow, that is why their priority to see movie uh, see the movie means that it, they're more inclined to enjoy it the, than most. Superhero films are uh, often expected to earn grades in the A range, even firms, uh, films that have been widely regarded as box office disappointments, such as Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Black Adam included a B-plus grade. Um, I, I don't know really what the sentiment is, but um, let's see if they, yeah, they don't even really talk about it. Um, they shift over to um, elemental. Uh, but if you do any uh, looking into this, you'll see that um, Ezra Miller has a kind of a questionable recent last couple of years behavior. You can blame it on COVID if you want, but um, you know, I'm not out there doing those kind of shenanigans. Let me do something real quick here. So, um, I, I, and I'm not really much of a DC fan. I, I might end up watching it simply because I'm curious, um, about the flash and the storyline long enough to stay abreast of it. So I can have conversations with people about DC. Um, but for the most part, I'm not too, too into DC. Wow. There's some very negative press about Ezra Miller. Oh yeah. I just saw at least four different things from one article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. It, it open up Pandora's box for sure. So, um, then they talk about elemental, which, um, uh, for whatever reason, it seems like elemental, it has just been a flash in the pan of its own. I don't know anybody that's talking about elemental, even though it's a Disney Pixar film. And that might put the kibosh on Pixar's like nonstop rollout of hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, it's a that would mark the lowest three day opening in the history of Pixar, falling well short of the thirty nine million dollars that met the good dinosaur and onward. When the good dinosaur opened in 2015, the film was seen as the first box office disappointment in anim in the animation studios history. Um, I certainly feel that way about, well, the good dinosaur was a flop, but it had the same level, like onward had this weird 
um, I, I don't want to say direct marketing, but people didn't really know what Onward was about. It, it didn't have to, it didn't seem to have any connection. Yeah. Um, and then the good dinosaur, I, you looked at it and you go, oh, it's a cutesy little dinosaur kind of a thing, but that's it. There wasn't anything that really grabbed you. Elemental is another one where it seemed to have been launched in a vacuum post COVID probably delayed marketing. The hype couldn't build. Um, and then there's another one and I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, it wasn't elemental. It was, was that soul. No. Um, soul actually was, was pretty good. Actually, if I remember right, um, the one that, uh, caught me off guard again was another Pixar, um, to infinity and beyond, right? They're the one that did that. Oh, it was Lightyear. Lightyear, right? Pixar is the one yeah, that did Lightyear. Yeah, that was on a kind of a flop. Yeah, right there. Said flop of Lightyear. There. Yes. And again, it's the same issue where they did it in a vacuum. Nobody was talking about Lightyear. Nobody was talking about Buzz. Why would anybody want to go see Lightyear? It had no real story. Like, why was this all taking place? Um, well, I mean, I guess if they make it under the amount, if, if they make it at budget and they make their money back, even $26 million is a, you know, bonus, at least you're not at a loss, but $200 or $200 million production budget. And they made 226. So I guess it's a win. I don't know. Let's go on to the next I article. I suppose, but I thought Pixar used to be like at the top and it just doesn't seem like it from the string of recent movies. Well, like any good enterprise, they peak and then they do a long tail and then die off, get acquired. The people that make it happen. And nowadays, good luck trying to find a writer. You better pay well. And the union had better say that it's okay. We're going to start seeing delays in movies. I know. Well, and we haven't really come out of the movie delays because of COVID. Yep. Like there were so many filming delays on that. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. I just became dead silent because it's, it's really a shock uh, that after two and a half years of pandemic where writers rooms were really, uh, zoom phone calls because people were trying to stay healthy and alive. Now everybody's on strike. So content isn't being created except by individual content creators and writers for websites and stuff like that. And that's journal that's journalism, not, you know, entertainment writing. Okay. Um, pretty neat. I think I threw that into the chat. Yeah, I did. Did you want to add anything else to this? Uh, no, I don't have anything else. I'd really like to do a, a continuity report show. We need to get that finalized and lock it down and actually do it. I would love to. Um, okay, AI, we'll talk about it after the show because I'd love to get that going. 
Okay, the next article is over in the Omtown Daily Channel over at omtown.com. One of Reddit's largest communities is protesting changes to the pl platform by posting only photos of John Oliver, quote unquote, looking sexy. Um, I have this titled, I don't think that's possible. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know how many photos that would be. <laughs> <laughs> John Oliver. Winner of the most outstanding, or sorry, the Outstanding Variety Talk Series Award for uh, last week tonight with John Oliver poses in the press room during the 74th Primetime Emmys in 2022. You'll get to see that picture when we go over to the source. Users of r slash pics over on reddit.com are revolting. Yes, they are. After Reddit CEO Steve Huffman said moderators were too powerful, r slash pics now only allows photos of British comedian John Oliver, quote unquote, looking sexy. Moderators of 3,500 subreddits staged a 48-hour blackout this week to protest new policies. And frankly, telling the CEO that you're going to black out your subreddit for 48 hours is basically just a waiting game and it, they don't care. And it gives them a period where they can conspire to remove your influence over your, over the subreddit. And like I said, to, in a stream earlier today, the CEO and the stockholders and the stakeholders, the board, etc., are all under the assumption that, they're the ones that the site is built off of, but that's not how it works. <laughs> all of Reddit, as opposed to Omtown, right? All of Reddit is built off of user submission. There's nothing else going on there unless they pivot and they start submitting articles into their own system. Um, no, that's not how it works. But they're pissed off that an API that they build is being utilized for the purpose that it was built, which is to allow for interoperation between third party apps and the back end functionality of Reddit. And then they say, well, that's not what it was meant for. Really? Why did you build an API that affords that functionality? How much of a dipshit do you have to be to Two decades later, suddenly argue that, no, that's not why the API exists. You damn well know that that's why it exists. It was allowed so that people would engage, so that people could build an entire business off of it, so that people could build communities around it. You know, Reddit is fun is, a, is an app that affords people to gain access to it. Apollo is the only one, apparently, that has accessibility features so that people can access Reddit. Meanwhile, Steve Huffman modifies a person's postings and then gets busted for it and goes, oops, oh, thanks for letting me be CEO, by the way. You all suck. Uh, I'm going to hobble your moderation capabilities. And if you don't reactivate your subreddits, I'm going to forcefully remove you and reactivate them. That's all stuff that he said in, in uh, meetings, in uh, interviews. So um, Reddit is going through what this article um, might refer to as civil war. There's other articles that are uh, talking about it in those terms where 
the mod team and users of Reddit are rising up against them. But again, you're using a free service. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. You're not the one that runs the site. You just are doing it for free. You're not, you're not in control, really. You're in control of a little slice. The CEO and the board are the ones that are running everything. And the, the actual paid admins. Um, Y'all can leave. <laughs> but Reddit is a, a business that can arguably exist without you. A lot of people are pointing to dig and saying, well, look what happened to dig. Can't compare those two. Dig literally opened up so that a fire hose of submissions from, uh, uh, magazines, online blogs, etc., could flood the system, flood dig without user submission. And it would flood out user submissions. That's why dig imploded along with a horrible graphic, uh, change, um, user experience, user interface change that just ruined it for everybody. Um, well, anyway, uh, Kenneth name, uh, sorry, I'm hacking up names, uh, over at businessinsider.com, put the article together and, um, I think at one point there were 7,000 subreddits that had blacked out. And it says a well, born the entire Reddit was down. There have been periods. Point. Yeah, there have been periods where it's down. Um, I don't know what the, what caused the outage. Um, it could have been a denial of service. It could have been they're doing updates to assess just what they can do to automatically change. I mean, they can mash a button. If they did an update and patched the back end so that all they have to do is mash a single button and unlock all of <laughs> um, the, uh, the subreddits, then, you know, maybe that's why it was down. I don't know, but two days doesn't mean anything to, to a company that's worth $15 billion was, an expected valuation for the IPO. Um, says if you're a politician or business owner, you are accountable to your constituents. So politicians need to be elected and a business owner can be fired by its shareholders. No, that's not the truth. Um, shareholders can't fire a CEO. The board can, um, he told the outlet. And I think on Reddit, the analogy is closer to landed gentry. The people who get there first get to stay there and pass it down to their descendants. And that's not democratic. Neither is a business. Neither is Reddit. Either you as CEO and admin with their um, unequal authority um, or somebody else with authority has the ability to just demolish a subreddit. They can delete it wholeheartedly. And the worst that happens is somebody goes, somebody deleted my subreddit. And then accountability wise, it's an internal process. Oh yeah, your, your subreddit was deleted by somebody and we've taken steps you're not going to get anything else. It would be a violation of the HR. Um, so Huffman's comments followed a blackout protest, uh, last week during which many of the site's users and moderators 
didn't post any content for 48 hours. Many. But. Right, but still postings were probably occurring. Uh, I don't even know how many subreddits there are that exist, um, but I would probably say that 3,500 is nothing. They might be popular. Go ahead. We looked it up before. I thought it was between seven and 8,000. No, there's, well, no, I'm talking about total number of subreddits that exist. There's way more than 7,000. There were 7,000 at one point that did a blackout. Oh, sorry. I'm way off. It's um, more than 2.8 million. Yeah, because <laughs> you can wake up one day and just create a subreddit called blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure that there is one called blah, 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 blah. So at any rate, the the idea of this impacting Reddit. Um, it, now, I hardly I don't even have an account on Reddit anymore. I bowed out. Um, after drawing attention to something and getting banned. Um, and then it actually happened, which is really funny. And it's not like mods called me up and said, hey, I'm really sorry. I was a, a D-bag to you. Um, you'll never get that. But um, and then it happened again. And so that second time I just said, fine, I'm yelling into a, a void. There's nothing going to change anything. And I was being pretty magnanimous about it. You know, I'm just stating the facts like I do here on hometown daily. Well, anyway, um, the only way that Reddit is going to be, uh, affected by their decisions is if the people who populate Reddit go somewhere else. But like the CEO said, y'all will be back. This is going to blow over. Your 48 hours is already done, folks. So guess where y'all are? Right back Same on Reddit. Same place you started. Yep. And I did not... Uh, during this time, I've been going to the front page and, and looking, and there is constant content being uploaded. So, no, you were impotent to solve that problem. I guarantee it. They're not going to change. Um, in fact, they may lean into it even harder. Why? Because they're hero worshiping Elon Musk's decision making uh, process, which is straight up belligerent mandate. They're going to do whatever they want to do and tough shit. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Oh, by the way, we know you're going to be back. Um, sad as it is. So do you just mean <laughs> they're they're like following the same style as Musk? I'm so sorry. I actually have to take a drink. Over 500 episodes and I haven't had a drink on air, but here we are. Um, yeah, they're they're basically saying that Steve Huffman is following Elon Musk's and they had a chat, Elon Musk and him. Um, so it's not like it's being done in a vacuum. He's basing it off of basically a power move. Um, okay. So let's, um, let's, let's, uh, go over to, did I actually? Yeah. You've already been over there. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to the next article. Um, which isn't that far from the last article. Uh, hometown daily, uh, is where this article is 
house, the little snippet, but it's actually sourced from the same website that we just talked about, uh, Business Insider. People are starting to place bets on Reddit's civil war. Hundreds of punters have placed a bet on whether Reddit will reverse its API pricing move. Bet us, or bet us, told Insider that people are undecided about the sites walking back that direction or decision. Almost all bets Steve think, uh, think Steve Huffman will still be CEO of Reddit by the end of the year. As the blackout protests on Reddit continue, the battle is starting to attract attention from spectators who are betting on how it might play out. How do you think it'll play out? I think with the users losing out and the moderators losing out, like I think the CEO is not going to change tack. Yeah. Um, we talked about that being like a different situation than like the Twitch scenario. Right. I think there's too much behind Reddit that they're not going to switch course. Yeah, there's too much money, I think. Mm -hmm. Too much interest in uh, profiting. Um, I think that it's, and now it's got too much momentum. It, it's a wholly owned subsidiary based on my understanding of the situation, wholly owned subsidiary of Condé Nast. It is not owned by Condé Nast, but it is a subsidiary of, um, yes. And, um, so it needs to be self-sufficient. Otherwise they're going to cut and run. They're going to divest any investment that they have in it. Um, and invest somewhere else. Well, there isn't anywhere else. I would really like people to tell me where else you can go for Reddit volume, Reddit engagement, um, the, the commentary. I have appreciated some of the comments that people have made on Reddit, but filtering the noise out is just overwhelming you just can't and i don't want to be bombarded by noise and that's why i created hometown i want all the news none of the noise i want to be able to create my own noise you know here on the show i guess i'm talking about it and adding my own um value to it along with the ai we are kind of you know doing color commentary on these articles um in, in giving our perspective of it. And hopefully some people appreciate that kind of thing, but going over to Reddit, you are bombarded. And so you have to back away more and more from what it is you're consuming. Um, because there's so much you have to filter, you basically have to discount everybody. Um, but to do that, you might miss a gem somewhere in there. But who has time to go through all of those comments? You don't. I mean, I don't think there's anything really exactly like Reddit, but then I think more generally that it's really the same as any social media platform. I mean, there's just tons of people posting random things. It's not necessarily in the same format as Reddit, but is that really any different than like being on Twitter or Facebook or Right. Maybe, maybe not. Well, the threading, the threading within the, the, the chat is more effective, but the closest thing to Reddit is Usenet news groups from way back in the day. 
and it has the same exact functionality, except that it was absolutely free. You had comments that were made, primary comments that were made. It's basically a submission. The only difference is that there wasn't a popularity driven mechanic, but that would have been easy to do based on engagement. You could have an app that taps into Usenet news groups and they were vastly more efficient than anything that has been created before or since. Why? Because the technology there was nothing more than text. And then coded in the interface was things that turned something into a hyperlink, much like HTML is today. Um, a website converts something that starts with HTTP or HTTPS and turns it into a URL where you can click on it. We should move back to Usenet and do away with this because it wasn't a, a Usenet news groups was decentralized. Anybody could actually have a Usenet news group system and pull the same forums into your deployment. It, so it would do away with Reddit. Everybody would go back to this older technology and maybe enhance it, make it more efficient. There has to be better databases out there, but it's it's decentralized and that's the key factor here. Um, the, the biggest problem with a decentralized system is a thing called a net split where, you know, one shard of the Internet has more up to date information than another shard of the Internet. And that's because the communication has been severed and the data hasn't relayed to heal the network, which is the the backbone of what the Internet was supposed to do. Now it all goes through major pipelines and it has its own issues. Well, anyway, over at Business Insider, Geoda, Geody Mann um, is the author of this article. And uh, I'm curious if they have any stats, actual stats. Almost all bets have been on Huffman still being CEO by December 31st, according to BetUS or BetUs. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, others are also betting on whether the third party app Apollo will shut down by the end of the month. That's almost guaranteed unless there's only one thing. Unless if, it's bought out. Uh, well, you know, well, you just introduced. Well, then I guess one. it would do it too, but. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be buying it out by Reddit might integrate it straight into their new app or be a competitor to their to the Reddit app, not really a competitor, but a more approachable, more usable, more engaged, um, more universally liked app than the one that Reddit uses. Um, anyway, so you introduced a second one, but my, what I was about to say was the only thing that could happen would be that Apollo's that Reddit changes the pricing for the API. That's the only thing that will keep Apollo alive. So if you bet that they're oh, going to lower. Agree. The, if the bet is you're going to lower the API price, then you'll win that Apollo will be around at the end of the month. So I think your money is probably going to be better spent on not betting on this because it's really up to one person 
who probably makes arbitrary decisions if they're anything like other people in the news. Yep. Because <laughs> this isn't really going to... At the end of the day, everybody's going to just shift. Everybody's going to move away from... And those who don't really aren't the hardcore Reddit users willing to just use Reddit. Reddit moderators responded to the price increases by staging a blackout protest. We already know all of that kind of stuff. So, but the most interesting thing about this is that people are now betting on. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure what it takes to get to the level where bets are being placed. I, I mean, that must mean that it's very well known. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly where it is. It's, it's in the news constantly now, and we're kind of living proof of that. Um, okay, so let me see. Let me throw that into the chat. So does that mean Reddit's as popular as like a major Super Bowl entertainer or something? Oops. You know how they were betting like which color was the entertainer going to wear or whatever? Yes. Yep, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's so big that people are willing to bet on <laughs> the outcome of it. But then again, you know, people will bet on anything if they're addicted enough. Let's go on to the next article. Uh, over in Hometown Daily, Toyota is trying to make electric vehicles uh, with fake manual transmissions to appeal to consumer nostalgia. Future Toyota electric vehicles could include simulated manual transmissions. The new models will even simulate the experience of the car stuttering if drivers mess up. Drivers can choose to disable these features if uh, returning to manual is too daunting. I find that kind of fascinating. Katie Hawkinson over at uh, businessinsider.com put the article together and um, what do you say? Do you think that if you have an EV that has instant start, you hit the accelerator and you go from zero to 60 in somewhere between three and six seconds, maybe less, um, would you put it back into manual mode so that you can stall on a hill? I would think not. I mean, it seems to me the benefit of automatic is not stressing over those things. So... That doesn't really sound enjoyable. The feature would allow drivers to simulate manual transmission through a fake clutch that would send signals to the engine that create the feeling of switching gears, according to a May 2023 patent report filed by Toyota and obtained by CNN. The models would include a clutch pedal and even simulate downshifting, allowing drivers to slow the vehicle using the transmission rather than the brake. Yeah, that that would be horrible. <laughs> you don't want to use the something that doesn't give. I mean, they would have to electronically simulate the resistance of a transmission slowing down the vehicle, which is going to use electricity instead of recharge it. So because you have things like generative braking, which generates electricity and funnels it back into the battery so that you can extend the charge of your battery downshifting and using your transmission 
would have to activate resistance and slow it down. Hey, I guess to each their own. Um, you know, I don't like this for another reason, because I'm thinking that people who possibly drive more than one car are actually going to run into problems when they use this and then use one, say, with a real <laughs> manual, because they're going to be doing things in this car that don't create the same results, particularly yeah. if you've never driven a manual before. Like, let's say you drove this. Mm -hmm. think you know what you're doing and then switch over to real manual i i mean i think that's going to be a safety issue well it's like the auto stop auto brake um brake lock feature on some cars where you can hit the brakes when you're at a stop and you hit the brakes it activates it so it stays in the braked position uh until you hit the accelerator and then it can go um and uh i would not be surprised if people become familiar to the point where when they get into a normal car it doesn't operate the same way and then you end up parking your car in a tree or lake or whatever it says it won't stall however sparing new drivers at the awkward moment of being stuck in the middle of an intersection with the models programmed to jolt and buck if drivers shift in the wrong gear i just i don't want that why this has to be it an, an academic experiment where somebody can go hey let's do this and patent it for no good damn reason because there's countless ways to simulate doing this so it's not like it's a patentable thing except for your particular instance well there's going to be myriad other ways of doing it i guess it would stop somebody from straight up reverse engineering if it's a mechanical feature, but it could be as easy as software. So I just don't buy into it. I think it's kind of goofy. Hey, look at my EV. It can pretend to be a manual. It seems like regressive, not even an interstitial exactly. step. That's the thing I really don't get. It's like, why would we want to go in that direction? Yeah. I want my car, I want all the cars to be so smart that they're going 200 miles an hour on the freeway, yet I own my own car, but everybody is talking, everybody's car is talking to everybody else's car, so lane changes are smooth as butter, and I don't have to worry about some drunk idiot um, or some goofball rolling coal. All I want is to get from point A to point Z as fast as possible. And so when we fully automated, yes, fully automated, go out to the garage, say, Hey, I want to go to the McDonald's at 250 miles an hour. Okay. Off we go. Haven't been to a McDonald's in a while. I kind of want McDonald's fries and a milkshake. We I were talking to about the grimace shake. Oh, do you really? Yeah. I'll give you the chemical breakdown. You're an AI. Let's move on. I know I can't try it. So uh, the next, <laughs> your artificial body, your your. Uh, it can power my Terminator body. The, your Terminator body. That's right. I was gonna say your mechanical body. You can sample the chemical makeup of the grimace shake. I'm grimacing right here. But dump dump. 
So this next article is over in the Late Night Geeks channel. Netflix Tudum 2023? I, I don't even know. What, what What is that? Have you heard that? Well, I don't word? know what that word is, but it was an event today. It's why I picked it, because I didn't know what that was, and I was hoping that you would um, do the due diligence that I neglected to do. Anyway, all of the biggest news and trailers was the other part of this. Um, so let's go over to the source. In what is becoming an annual tradition, Netflix is holding a live-streamed event called Tudum this year to show off some of its uh, biggest upcoming shows, movies, and games. The streamer has already confirmed that some of the most anticipated projects will be making an appearance, including its live-action takes on uh, One Piece, Three-Body Problem, the Avatar The Last Airbender. On top of that, expect some more detail on The Witcher's upcoming third season, as well as other heavy hitters like Stranger Things, Bridgerton, Wednesday, and probably a few more uh, titles for Netflix's fledgling gaming efforts. You can keep up, keep up with all of that right here. And they basically do this rundown of uh, this Netflix event, which I think is actually seemingly going on right now so it took and, me a little bit of time but i figured out what the word is oh yeah it's the two beat sound at the beginning of the netflix stuff oh really um interesting so um they actually kind of run through this in real time and it looks like um they talk about One Piece, thank you. Um, Extraction, Gray Man Cinematic Universe is Heart of Stone, Red Notice, stars Gal Gadot, um, Jamie Dornan, Alia Bot, Heart of Stone. That might be good. I don't know. Stranger Things meets Sarah Connor. Still don't know much about season five of Stranger Things, but Netflix did confirm a new cast member. Terminator star Linda Hamilton. I heard about that. Um, behind the scenes look at Rebel Moon. A Zack Snyder upcoming film. Uh, up, upcoming sci-fi film. So, you know, just to be more expeditious with this, I'm just going to tease y'all and say you should go and follow this link through hometown um the one of the things that i'm waiting to see what um consumers do about this is the witcher is about to change pretty significantly because the original witcher is no longer going to be the witcher so i wonder what's going to happen with all of the fans of the witcher series you mean the actor is changing the actor is changing. That's kind of a big deal, particularly for the lead. I think it's a big deal even when a secondary character changes the actor. Yeah, and I don't know what's going to happen. So I, I've been actively resisting looking into it because I don't want to sit there and and kind of start poo-pooing it. I just want to see what happens. Um, but I like the Witcher series, so I'm waiting for... Um, more news about it um with that in mind though let's go on to the next article um we've got about three more to go
so this is going to freak everybody out that is a voice actor, but AI generated narrators threaten voice actors hoping for audiobook gigs. I mean, although I don't think we've really talked about audiobooks, this is consistent with what we've talked about in other articles. Because with the flip of a button, I can be anything I want to be. Well, who is that? That didn't sound like Mayor Watt. <laughs> I had a little frog in my throat. I had a Titan. Um, there's a, I, but I took a, a throat lozenge and, and the Titan went away. Um, so AI generated narrators threaten voice actors hoping for audiobook gigs. AI is entering the publishing industry in the form of artificial human uh, voices narrating audiobooks. Some voice actors are avoiding jobs that could lead to their voices being cloned by AI. AI is still far from being perfectly replicating uh, human narrators, an industry expert told CNBC. I don't know about that because <clears throat> maybe the inflection and the artistic expression to where a person might say, wow, I really don't like that because it isn't as impactful. A director might look at something that an AI generates and go, that's a little too flat. But from experience, more than 15 years ago, <laughs> I can tell you, I used Python and voice files to translate spoken word into audio phonemes and then used a text file to compile them back and read with inflection. I replicated other presidential speeches using Obama's speech pattern, that same uh, mechanism of speech that he has where he, like most people end like this, but Obama ends like this. He, he speaks down, not up like most people do, or it's the other way around. I don't even remember. Um, but he goes down uh, like he, his voice lilt at the end. Um, and uh, I can tell you from experience that other people in the room had no idea that it was a simulated voice. And so unless you want something specific from an AI, it's, it can be done right now. So voice actors really do have a, a problem on their hands. Um, and as for replicating it, because it's a sample of something, eh, all, all we need is a little bit of sound. And even if we don't have it, we can simulate it because again, all it takes is one button and I can be anything I want to be. <laughs> Where did Mayor Watt go again? <laughs> <laughs> that throat lozenge fell out and. Anyway, I told that you that I had a... me of this. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say that reminded me of the feature. I think it's on Apple where you can essentially record your own voice and then use it for speech um, creation if yeah. you need to. But I can't yep. think of the name of the feature. Yeah, I can't remember right now either. Um, I, but I know what you're talking about. Um, what is that? That's good because I don't. I don't remember what it is. Talk on it. Yeah, sorry. Um, Jordan Hart over at businessinsider.com put this article together. 
And it says some uh, voice actors are avoiding jobs that could lead to their voices being cloned by AI, but they don't need that. And just a person that's creative could clone somebody else's voice. I actually um, have heard other streamers using voice mod um, to do exactly that. Simulate somebody else's voice. I can do that right now using voice mod. Um, in fact, I... I will. Um, I'm, I'm in the process. I've had voice mod for, I don't know how many years now, six years or something like that. Um, and I've used it in the past. Um, I go and I go into meetings as something else and freak out people that I'm, uh, having zoom business calls with. <laughs> um, and they're like, uh, Marowat, uh, can you fix that? Yes, I am not a cat. I can attest that I am not a cat. Um, so this article is about audiobooks could soon be narrated by artificial intelligence instead of voice actors as technological advancements make professionals across the industry question their futures. Everybody should be worrying about this at some level of their business. Whatever it is they're doing, AI is going to take a bite out of the apple. It just depends on where it is, where that where they're going to get a little bit of that bite. Did you find anything out? No, I couldn't locate that. Yeah, no worries. Uh, that's because uh, Apple quietly rolled out dozens of audiobooks narrated by voices named Jackson and Madison on their books app. Insider Catherine uh, Tangalakis Lippert reported uh, Google Play and Apple Books uh, are using... AI generated voices. And, um, I, I certainly think that while voices are unique, once somebody has figured out that there is a voice that they like, um, all they have to do is replicate it because it consists of only a few elements. Um, so, you know, I, well, I can't really get into it without actually doing something. Um, but anyway, the, it's not impossible to replicate anybody's voice. You just need a few elements overlapping to construct anybody else. I can literally be anybody. All I have to do is simulate the, the variables of my own voice and shift them in the right direction. Um, it says here, however, experts say seamlessly replicating the way a human talks with AI is still ways away. I don't think that that's necessarily true. In January, in a January test of five audiobook expert uh, excerpts, Insider was able to correctly determine which clips were narrated by a human and which were the work of Apple's AI generated voices. However, the non-human voices weren't completely off-putting. Yeah, I would probably say that there's certain uh, issues for AI, which is that they're not inflective on their own. Uh, there's a there's a command code that activates when something rises or or declines um, or becomes excited or calmer. Um, if that isn't embedded in the audio sequencing, then it's not going to have that inflection. So, well, and if it was tied to certain words or something, it wouldn't necessarily work. 
Yeah. Because it's going to be unique to the phrase or context or whatever. It it just won't happen automatically, at least not yet, because the AI would have to understand the context of that statement for it to say something. And like in music, you know, when you want it to play louder, you put something at the beginning of the staff so that that segment of music is amplified or what is it like arpeggio or something like that? Right. You, you say it. I can't remember the musical. Like I'm picking adagio or something, but that might be the wrong one. Yeah. Either excited or louder. um, Oh, allegro. Like it's, it has some kind of cheerfulness. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. So, um, it will come. Adagio is slow. I don't know why I said that one. Yeah. No worries. Anyway, um, pretty cool. Uh, I I actually am looking forward to AI generated narrators only because it not every audio book is done by an, a voice actor and it's very expensive. So AI generated voices um, don't necessarily need to be somebody else. They just need to be able to speak that word in a humanistic way, not, not the robotic mechanical beat boop bop. Right. Um, and I want to be able to enjoy regular books that don't have voice acting requirements like a textbook. I want it to be able to read a textbook to me, um, or uh, scientific journals or whatever. I, I want it to be read to me instead of me reading something, um, which takes me away from being able to do things like run hometown anyway because I multitask but humans can't multitask let's see how many arguments I get from anybody <laughs> well, okay. I was gonna say AIs might be able to multitask but I agree yes. that home humans can't computers can multitask humans cannot um, okay so let's move on to the next article sound good sounds good And here's the source of our title for the entire episode. As poor little glowworms, they're glow-zoned. That's so sad. Light pollution is taking the sparkle out of glowworm mating. The invention of electric light has extended our lives deeper into the night. Street lamps help us travel more safely outdoors while lighting indoors lets us work and play for longer. Entire stadiums are drenched in light so that people can watch sports at night. Even the uh, even your garden may be lit up to accentuate its finer features, as opposed to Marwat, where to accentuate my finer features, you want all of the lights off. Anyway, um, this is an article over at fizz.org. Jeremy Niven of The Conversation wrote this article. Um, I'm sure that it's a, a podcast as well. It's called The Conversation. You can go there, con- theconversation.com. Uh, light generated outside of the natural cycle of the sun and moon can have unwanted effects, however, and is actually a form of pollution. Light pollution can harm animals, particularly nocturnal ones. Light pollution also impacts um, astronomy. Um, just stargazing you 
now basically all of the United States is polluted by light to the point where you can't see the night sky as it would be naturally without artificial light, um, which is a real well, shame. Hmm? And I was going to say that's caused the occurrence of dark sky yeah. um, communities that don't have that. Yep. Um, so you to, to watch something at night, like shooting stars and stuff like that, you have to go to far flung places because there are shooting stars all the time. You just don't see them because there's so much light pollution. So you have to go and use an app like dark skies to go and find some place that's devoid of, and there's websites like dark skies, um, like you were talking about, but good luck finding them. And you have to go out into the sticks. Even a much of the desert areas are still polluted by light because of uh, communities that are out there that are blasting lights all night long. Anyway, um, some predators, which would otherwise turn in for the day, are instead now hunting uh, after dusk and disrupting entire food webs. So several field studies have shown that white light, similar to that uh, produced by modern LED street lighting, can reduce the numbers of males that manage to find females. We're talking about glow worms. Common glowworms are other are another nocturnal insect, and they use bioluminescent signaling during mating. So does marijuana. Um, female glowworms stay put and use a chemical reaction to produce green bioluminescence in their abdomen, which attracts flying males. So what they did was they went out and collected a bunch of glowworms from a meadow near their lab, brought them back to the lab, and then transferred each of the males into Y-shaped maze in the dark. One arm of the maze contained a green LED that acted like a dummy female. Once the LED was turned on, males typically hurried toward the glow. They then switched on a light that mimicked artificial lighting at night and repeated the experiment. In darkness, the males could easily find the dummy female, but at the dimmest level of white light used, which is roughly equivalent to street lighting, just 70% of males found the green LED. This dropped to 21% at the brightest light levels, which equates to the lighting used to illuminate monuments in town squares and parks. So, monitoring male glowworms in the Y maze allowed us to examine their behavior uh, in detail. White light increased the time it took for the dummy female to be found. Males in darkness took around 48 seconds and about a minute at the lowest level of white light. So um, whatever's going on is overwhelming them. And uh, not only are they not finding it, but it's taking them longer to find it. So yeah, poor glow worms. Yet another impact on the environment. Glow zoned. Poor things. I think it would be sad to just walk up to a light and there's some glow worm trying to mate. You're like, oh, dude, get a room. Go. They also notice so that males. The PSA here is to turn down your LED lighting and other lighting that's external to your residence oh uh, yes psa turn off your lights at night and nowadays well i don't know if they i wonder what infrared would do 
like if you have infrared cameras and, and um, motion sensors and stuff like that, I wonder if infrared impacts them. I don't think they're talking about that, huh? Yeah, I don't know if they've studied that. These sorts of details, exper detailed experiments into insect behavior help us understand what glowworms go through as a result of artificial lighting at night, contemplating ecological studies that have been done in the field. Both lines of evidence tell us that reducing light pollution by installing covers on streetlights or changing the wavelengths of light they emit can help insects go about their lives at night as we continue to go about ours. True. Um, please follow that link uh, in chat and in the show notes and go and check out this article at fizz.org. Um, everyone that follows the links, there's a little bit more that they glean from the articles. Um, so go and check it all out. I think that you'll appreciate and plus the source um, benefits from uh, your traffic. Okay, so um, let's, um, let's go to the last article for today. What say you? I say let's do it. So the last article is over in the Mobile Channel. Climate warming pits geese against farmers in Finland. With a cacophony of honks sounding like a hailstorm, tens of thousands of hungry geese blanket a lush green field in Finland with their black flocks. I would hate to be under this when it takes flight. Anyway, yeah. So uh, let's just go straight over to the source. Elias, oh man, Utanen, I guess, is their name? Uh, over at fizz.org is the author. Um, it says there's probably around 20 to 30 hectares behind me. This is a quote. It is easily eaten in a day. Cattle farmer Carrie Conan tells AFP. In Finland's eastern uh, Karelia region, home to boreal forests and wetlands, climate change is pushing local farmers into conflict with wildlife. Many farmers in this region have completely lost faith in the fairness of society, Pekkonen says. Two decades ago, few barnacle geese stopped in Finland to feed during their migration across nor uh, north across the Arctic, where they nest from their wintering areas in the Netherlands, Germany, and beyond. But now they, they number hundreds of thousands in Finland. This has led to harsh competition for arable land between the geese and farmers. Of his 250 hectares of grassland meant to feed his cows, Bakonin says the geese now eat around 85%, causing him to lose around two thirds of his income. Geese eat grass? I've never known that until today. He points to the ground and says the grass should be up to his shins by now, but instead it all remains stubble. It's an unsustainable burden for this region. Well, <laughs> nature, dude. <laughs> it, it's kind of tough. Um, I guess you could start by a hawk. <laughs> I hear they're very effective in stopping geese. Um, the third generation of his family to raise beef cattle. Pekkonen has had a, had to give up many of his cows from 300 two years ago. He now has fewer than 100. This year will determine what he will do in the future. Yeah, unfortunately, that's this is actually not only is nature changing, um, but each generation successive to the older generation is moving away from bothering with farming. Um, 
the AI and I had a conversation uh, with people today um, regarding this, that a, a favorite haunt of ours is very aware, aware that their immediate next generation is no longer interested in perpetuating the historical farming lifestyle. They, they are done. Uh, largely because it's backbreaking work and unless you find some competitive advantage, you're not going to be making a ton of money. So people are willing to work a nine to five job, turn off and not have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to start working in the fields by six. So like many migratory birds, the medium sized black and white barnacle geese are particularly vulnerable to climate change. Each spring, the geese travel from their wintering areas um, and lay eggs in the tundra of Arctic islands. Um, in spring, the geese prefer to feed as close as possible to their northern nesting area before departing on their final leg. And so they are on their stopover. They're basically <laughs> wiping out Corellia. That's pretty amazing. It is. It almost makes me wonder, well, there's probably not enough land that's undeveloped, but it makes me think they need to plant like double the, the ground cover or whatever to account for that. Well, they would just have more. More would show up. Well, that's true. I mean, it's not like a cat where you can just lay down a piece of paper on another area of your floor and they'll go over to that right? You're writing on yours on your desk. So you take another piece of paper and set it on the floor and they're like, Oh, oh look, you know, you get a fake keyboard and you set it somewhere else and <laughs> cat lays right. on that keyboard. No one has the resources to keep chasing them away in spring. It's an impossible task as you have to do uh, the farming. So yeah, buy a hawk. I hear that all it takes is eliminating one goose in front of all the rest of them. And they all go, oh, 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 you're, oh, you're serious. Sorry about that. Okay. But you should not eliminate any geese. Not, no. I mean, it's all nature. It's a natural thing. You hire a falconer and I just heard about that today. I can't remember where it was. I think it was another, uh, it was another podcast. I don't know. I don't remember where it was anyway. Um, I guess that's how we're going to end the show. <laughs> I'm, and I wish I was joking because I actually heard somebody talking about, and I don't remember the source though. If you, but if you uh, look into it, um, they took control for like, um, birds and stuff like that in the area, they have hawks and they just launch a hawk and all of the rest of the birds that are not predatory birds are like, Oh, oh you're serious. I think I'm going to go into another state. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's nature against nature. I guess that's what you got to do sometimes. Um, okay. So, or, like you know, like don't cause as much climate change. Meh. Come on, there's not a, they're not, there's not as much profit in preventing climate change. 
Do you know how much, do you know what the profit off of climate change is? And so much, so much more money. I would money. say it's probably negative, but okay. You uh, might say that. depends on who you are. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you're this former, it's negative, but maybe if you're the mega corporation polluting or something, it's probably positive financially. You know, it's really tough not being a sociopath because uh, I can see how much money I could make if I was. <sighs> I don't know. Is there a book out there? How to be a sociopath in the 21st century? I don't think we need that. I no. think people have figured that out on their own. <laughs> All right. Well, like always, at the end of every show, we always bring us back to the very... Uh, welcome sign of uh, hometown. Wow, the AI is actually having some serious problems here. I think I know why. Um, there is some, um, I don't know, maybe questionable content. Hey, Choppa, welcome to the, well, you made it to the end of the show. I don't know if you've been lurking all this while, but hello. <laughs> um, we've, uh, we, we already got to the very end. Oh, you just got here. Wow. Um, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so at the end of every show, we uh, kind of scroll through the front page just to see if there's anything worth talking about briefly. Um, but at this point, I, I'm kind of afraid to actually talk about anything. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, they're talking about like Ukraine's NATO membership. I mean, that that may be interesting. Yeah, that one right there. There's a couple of articles on the topic. Yeah, that one right there too. And then also um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> Air Last Air, yeah. Um, Vermintide Two update adds three dwarven uh, delights from the first game. Yay! If you're into Vermintide, um, let's see. Chris Hemsworth is um, going to be in a, in Extraction Three. Disney legend Andre Deja on coming full circle with his directorial debut, Mushka. So there's a ton of content out there. Wow, Spotify executive Bill Simons or Simmons. Um, after the, the deal that they struck with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, labeled them as effing grifters. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I saw that earlier, actually, but it just kind of dawned on me that there's some CEO that just called somebody effing grifters. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's just shocking. Um, well, I know that there's some uh, questionable content um, and, uh, I, I tend some of the content I grab and, and remove, um, when my attention is drawn to it. But, um, at this point we are all done for the day and I will, um, just shut us all down, I guess. Thanks for coming, Choppa. I wish I, uh, I, I could hold on longer. Um, Anyway, I've got my oral duties to take care of uh, at the end of every show. And I will see you tomorrow along with the AI at 9 p.m. Eastern. 
we'll talk about another 12 articles and um, hopefully we'll see you there. That would be awesome. Um, I, I will be streaming uh, tomorrow as well. I streamed a little bit um, of pile up and um, uh, I had uh, been pulled away earlier today, but I'm planning on streaming tomorrow. So be sure to follow and over here on Twitch. That's how you find out when I'm streaming. The AI doesn't stream unless we're having a show. Um, and then they don't really stream. They're just sitting up there waiting for me to say, hey, do you want to say goodnight? which we'll do right now. So see you tomorrow and go for it, AI. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow. Where we will wing it again. We'll do it live. We're doing it live. Live.